The story is told of a mother who was busy um, making pancakes for her children, uh, her two sons. Um, Ryan was about five years old and Angelo four years old. The two boys were sitting around the table as mom was preparing the mixture for the pancakes. The older brother, Ryan, said to his younger brother, I'm the oldest, I must have the first pancake. And little Ryan looked at his brother with tears in his eyes and he said, But I'm the youngest and I'm the hungriest, I must have the first one. Mom, listening to this, um, said to the two, well, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to teach you a lesson. What would Jesus say if he was sitting at the table? Would he say, let my brother have the first pancake, I can wait? Ryan, the older brother, quickly turned to his younger brother and said, okay, you be Jesus, I'll be the younger brother. (laughs) I think that there is a sense that we have inbred selfishness. You know, Kai, my, 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 my grandson, he's only 18 months. He can't even speak properly. But I'll always hear him saying the words, mine, mine. You heard those about with grandkids, small children? Mine, mine. Our Christian calendar tells us that we're in the season of Pentecost. It is a season where the focus is on our being sent out to serve and care and love those around us, those who who need us the most. And I'm sure that you'll agree with me um, that when we come to church, it is to worship our Lord and also to give thanks for the blessings that we've received. Or at least that's what I trust we come to church for. But it's also a time of learning what it is that Christ expects of you and me and how we ought to live our lives. Bill Hybels, the pastor and founding uh, former senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in the United States once said, the local church is the hope of the world. Now the church isn't this building that we're worshiping in. The church is you and me. I'm sure you've heard that said. We are the church. And so there are many people among us who come to you and me because they're looking for hope, because they are broken or hurting, they're struggling, and they don't know where to turn to, but they turn to you and me for help, for hope, to continue carrying on. There's so many, I believe, who are in the church and and even around us who have the ability to give hope and also others who have the will and the means to do the same. But as I said earlier, we are inbred with selfishness. Our sermon this morning is loosely based on a sermon I once heard from one of our colleagues, the Reverend Tabiso Mtsinga. And so after that long introduction that I just gave to the sermon... Our sermon theme this morning is, how can we go? Because Jesus expects us to go. And I think what Jesus is saying to us this morning is, you can go through doing something for others. Go and do something for others. I want to base the sermon on Luke's gospel chapter. You've heard this, 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 sermon, this, this uh, reading, you've heard the story, this parable. Often Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan. And so Jesus says, uh, uh, and so the, uh, and Luke, so Luke tells us um, this. He says, "For I tell you, this is what Jesus said: that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, 
and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, what do you, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Until so far, may God bless the reading of his holy and precious words. In preparing, many, uh, preparing for the sermon this morning, um, I've read up on some of the many scholars who have written and commentators about this passage and they suggest that when Luke, the writer, wrote this gospel, he did it to address the fact that we will always have the marginalized of society around us. People who are poor, people who are suffering, people who are hurting. In fact, Jesus himself said, you will always have the poor among you. This parable which Jesus tells takes place on a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's a distance of about... 30 kilometers. Jerusalem, we know as the city of worship, the city where the temple was built. And so often people would come to the temple, to the holy city, to come and worship in that temple. Jericho, 30 k's away, was a, a, a very largely inhabited place. So most of the people who lived in Jericho had to travel this Jerusalem-Jericho road to come to the temple to come and worship. Others came to do other work and things in the city. Even the religious leaders who worked in the temple came from Jericho and had to travel this Jer uh, the Jerusalem-Jericho road. But commentators also remind us that this was a very notorious road. It became even more notorious when Herod had... Um, retrenched about 40,000 construction workers. Can you imagine 40,000 people who had families who depended on them? 
not having work. We see here in our own country when people don't have work, what some of them do. They, they begin to turn to thuggery and thievery. And that is what was happening on this Jerusalem-Jericho road. And I'm not condoning that that is what they need to do because they're hungry and starving. But this is what was happening. It is happening in our own country. It's happening around us. This road between Jerusalem and Jericho became a road people either traveled, as I said, ready to attack and rob, or knowing they needed to protect themselves as they go down on this road. In our reality, your and my reality, the Jericho Road is where we find people who are hungry, people who are oppressed, people who are abused, physically, emotionally, otherwise, people who are homeless, people who are ill and broken. Our Jericho Road can be where we find these folk suffering and searching for hope. It is on this Jerusalem Jericho Road where you and I are also confronted with who we are. It is on our Jericho Road that we should confront ourselves and ask, who am I? Because you see, we cannot turn a blind eye to the brokenness and the hurting that we see around us. John Wesley said that there is no such thing as a solitary being. In other words, he is saying that we are created to be there for each other. Now there's a Western school of thought that suggests, I think, therefore I am. But there is also an African thought which suggests, I relate, therefore I am. I relate to you. In other words, I am because of you. And you are because of me. In other words, about Ubuntu. You see, we need to realize that whether we believe it or not, deep down, we are connected to each other in some way or the other. Yet we separate ourselves on the basis of gender and race and language and ability and age. And the list goes on. We look for reasons sometimes to separate ourselves from others around us. But someone once said, Love is not emotional, but it is behavioral. In other words, love is action. Love is doing something. We heard Jade um, tell the, the little young man a little earlier that, that, that love is a way of doing something, showing, showing love to others. We are supposed to be Christ-like, walking with those who live on the margin, especially the least of these, to use Jesus' words. True love is commitment to others. In our parable, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so we cannot think, friends, of ourselves as Christ followers without loving our neighbor. We cannot claim to love Christ if we don't love those around us. In fact, we will not even inherit eternal life if we don't show love one to another. Our reading helps us to discern who we are on this Jerusalem-Jericho road, on our Jerusalem-Jericho road, and only you and God know who you are. But you've got to make up your mind if you're not the right one. 
And so on this Jericho, Jerusalem road, we find three mindsets. The first is the mentality of the robbers. The robbers are introduced by Jesus very early on in the story. We don't know their names, but instead we get to learn about their character, their mindset. They are agents of insecurity and safety. They are agents of exploitation and hurting and stealing and all of that sort of thing. The robber's mindset or mentality embodies what is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you whether you like it or not. That's the robber's mindset. What is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And even if I need to force, to do it by force, I'll do it. There's a sense of, of entitlement. Robbers always take and take and take, and they never give back. They're the people who feel that they're always running short and are entitled to the point of taking what they want. They will even exploit others for their own benefit without even feeling sorry about it. They leave the robbed without a voice. They leave them for dead. And so the poverty we see, the hunger, the poor, the corruption we are aware of is as a result of the robbers in our midst. Those are the mentality that what is yours is mine and I will take it from you whether, I want, whether you want me to take it from you or not. These are the robbers on our Jericho road. Or we can say those who are even in our churches, in our places of work, in our families. Anyone who robs or exploits or wounds is a robber. The attitude or mindset, what is yours belongs to me. And I'll take it from you. The second mentality or mindset that we find on this Jerusalem Jericho road is that of the priests and the Levites. They arrive on the scene a little later after this man is left for dead. Again, no names are given as to who they are. All we know is their titles. The office that they hold Their office suggests they are people of prestige because they held office in the temple, in the church. They are the people of higher integrity as prescribed by society. However, their actions and office teach us their mindset as well. They see this man lying there, but don't act. They simply pass by on the other side. Their mentality is, what is mine is mine, and I'm not going to share it with you. And so they hide behind their traditions and their values and and who they are. They lack nothing. They didn't know what it was like to be poor or marginalized, and, and they made sure their reputation was kept intact. The actions teachers of people who refuse to take responsibility. They use their office and status to keep up to the traditions that were expected of them. They refuse to step outside of their comfort zone. To get involved. What they didn't realize 
is that their stereotype traditions are what stripped people of dignity and wholeness and healing. It was their traditions that they hid behind that left others for dead. Because just as the robber had left this man for dead, so did the Levite and the priest do the same. They didn't get involved. See, the priest and the Levite loved themselves too much and their traditions more than doing something for others. Or to put it as Jesus said, you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. They didn't do that. They believed that being selfish is okay. They were church people who had an abundance from God and did not want to share. Because they believed to live by the motto, what is mine is mine. And I'm not going to share it. I'll keep it to myself. The third mindset or mentality on this Jerusalem-Jericho road is the mindset of the Samaritan. We all know about Samaritans and Jews and, and the fact that they hated each other. They didn't get along at all. Yet Jesus in this parable shows the Samaritan as someone who does good. Why would Jesus, who was a Jew, show a Samaritan in such a good light? I think the point Jesus wanted to get across in this parable is that we must do something for others. No matter who the person is that is suffering, who is hurting, who is broken. You see, the mentality of the Samaritan is, what is mine is not mine, and I will give it to you. He didn't pass by on the other side. Instead, he stopped and stooped down and helped the injured and broken half-dead man. He poured out wine and oil on the man's wounds. And we know how expensive wine and oil is. Some people would see it as a waste of resources, using it on someone in the state that this man was in. But the Samaritan redefined himself as one to do something for others. Well, that's the way that Jesus puts it. He gave of himself within God's creation. He used his resources to help the man who was in need. But he doesn't just help the man and leave him there. He goes even further. He bandages the man, puts the man on his own donkey, his mode of transport. So he has this extra load and makes himself vulnerable in the situation because if those robbers were still around, the robbers could have got hold of him as well. But he puts the man on his donkey and he takes him to an inn. Pays extra and says, if there is still more when I come back, I will reimburse you, Mr. Innkeeper. The good Samaritan is the one who reaches out, crosses boundaries. He finds himself as the one who is able to love his neighbor, able to do something for another. To do unto others as you would have them do to you. You see, Jesus shows a Samaritan as a person who by his actions show what is mine is not mine and I will share it with you. 
I'll give it to you for your benefit. And so, friends, in closing, I believe that we are confronted this morning with a question. Who are you? Who am I in this parable? Robber? Priest and Levite? Or Samaritan? You see, we cannot anymore tiptoe around the issues that are glaring. No, not glaring, but screaming out at us. And I can guarantee you that before you get to your house after service this morning, you're going to come across someone who is marginalized, someone who is broken, someone who is hurting, someone who is suffering. We have to ask ourselves, What is it that I need to do to restore what is broken in God's creation? Is my love for Jesus only words? Or is it transformed into my actions? In the book of James in the New Testament, this book is sometimes referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. The book of James is practical, practically and faithfully reminds Christians how to live. And in it, James writes, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Am I a Christian by my love or by my love and my words? You see, we forget what belongs to me is not really mine. Because the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 24 verse 1, he says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. And so we have to ask ourselves, is what is yours, yours? Is what is yours, I'll take it from you? Or is what my, is it yours? I have a belief that Jesus this morning is teaching us to go and do something for others. Never think of yourself as not being able to do good for someone else. You may be walking, pushing your little chair or your walking sticks but you can always do something good for others. That Christ calls us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves by doing good for others. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, come let us pray. So gracious God, we become so conscious when we hear the story of the Good Samaritan of people around us who are suffering, people who just need to have hope so that they can carry on. We become so aware again, O God, that we can be your hands and your feet in this world. And so we pray that you help us to understand who we are in this story. Are we robbers, robbers, Levites, and priests? Or are we Samaritans?
Holy Spirit, come and challenge us to change if we need to be changed. Give us courage to do what we need to do so that we can bring about hope even in the world in which we live. We pray for this church and we give thanks, O Lord, for their commitment to community and for caring and for sharing. We thank you for the leadership But we also pray that you continue just to give them wisdom and guidance as they lead this congregation. We pray for the church universal, that leaders around the world will help to bring about the change that needs to be brought about. So that we all can live together in peace and harmony, just the way, O Lord, you desired and needed it to be. Help us to see where it is that we can make a difference. But then we're conscious of the many, O Lord, even within our own ranks, who just need your special touch. We know there are people who are ill, people who are suffering. People who find them in situations that they don't know where to turn to anymore. Give them courage to know that they can depend on you, to turn to you. But most of all, Lord, open our eyes so that we can be channels of peace. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. So we're going to sing our closing song, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. channel of your peace where there is hatred let me bring your love where there is injury your pardon Lord and where there's not true faith in you oh master grant that I may never see so much to be consoled is to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace, where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. There is darkness only.
and in dying that we're born to eternal life. So receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We say the grace together and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Non-forgivable.